0: 702 on 92.7 and 106 FM. Streaming on 702.co.za. The 702 app. And on
1: DSTV channel 856.
2: Good afternoon, it's just gone 6 minutes past 12. Welcome to the Midday Report. My name is T.D. Madia, in for Wiener. This is the last edition of the show for 2023. We made it to the end. Can I just say to you, I don't do resolutions. I'm excited about going into New Year. I don't do resolutions per se, but I'm keen to hear yours. Most importantly, your wishes for the country. We're going into such a big year, a biggie. 30 years of democracy. We have elections next year. What are your hopes? What are your thoughts? thoughts. I want those, but I also want you to comment on the stories we are chasing this hour. We're going to go to the Alexandra Magistrates Court, where the accused in the Kirsten Claes rape and murder, murder murder case is set to hear whether or not he'll be granted. Bail. We'll go to the Western Cape, where again an accused linked to the murder of a Google to CPF deputy chair is in court. We look at the festive season safety campaigns. I'm hoping we'll get an understanding from Home Affairs about what happens with all these undocumented citizens who have been arrested over this period. We'll also look at the state of readiness ahead of what I'm calling E-Weekend Nkulu, where Revelers, of course, will be marking the crossover into a new year. All of that and lots more coming up on the show. You can reach us on 072-702-1702, 072-567-1567. Your voice. Your station. Let's walk the talk. 702-702. We start with this with the 21-year-old who was accused of rape and killing a Jobbik teacher, Kirsten Clates. He's expected to learn his fate today. This with the Alexander Magistrates Court due to handover judgment in his bail application. The 34-year-old Clates was attacked while taking part in a myrun event at the George Lear Park here in Stanton. In October, she was 14 weeks pregnant. As I said, a 21-year-old student is appearing, uh, seeking bail in that particular matter. Benedict Wicks from EWN has been in following that story she joins us now from the court we cross to her now on the line Benedict. good afternoon welcome to the show so I understand that before judgment is even handed down there were still matters that were had to be completed mm-hmm. the defense still had to make a case um what have they put on the table or at least before the magistrate today all right so the defense
0: um did do its closing arguments last week and then the, the state made its closing arguments today as well and the defense is now replying to those um, to the state's submissions that they made a little bit earlier. Essentially, the defense's case is that there's a very weak case against the accused. We know that there's CCTV footage, which places him at the scene of the crime. It also shows him leaving the scene of the crime, carrying Kirsten Klaetz's clothes that day, wearing her T-shirt even. He said when he found her, she was already dead, he was afraid of being blamed, and so he left the scene and didn't report it to police and took her clothes because he didn't want to leave his fingerprints behind. And essentially, this is how the defense has put forward its case. But what the state has said is that despite his best efforts, the simplest answer is most likely the correct one. They maintain that um, the case against him is a very strong one. What we've also heard from the state today is that previously the defense had made much of the fact that an initial post- Mawson report um, showed that there weren't any external injuries congruent with rape noted on Kirsten Claes' body and yet the accused has still been charged with rape. Um, the defense kind of suggested that this indicates that she wasn't actually raped. But what the state has said before the court today is that this isn't accurate and it's actually misleading to the court. They've highlighted that the only person who can say conclusively whether or not she was raped will be the district surgeon and that they look at other things other than just physical injuries to ascertain whether or not someone was raped.
2: Do you have a sense of when the outcomes will be for this bail application, when the judgment will be handed out, handed down?
0: we are expecting judgment today. On the last occasion, the magistrate hearing matter was asked, can we expect a decision, um, on, on the return date? And she indicated that we could. Um, I'm sure that the defense will soon start wrapping up its, its reply. Um, and then what I, what I think will probably happen is that we'll adjourn for an hour or so, um, and then come back this afternoon and hear an outcome.
2: Let me ask you a difficult question. What is your mm-hmm. sense of the possible outcome? I mean, he is facing a Schedule 6 offense, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of watched him, again, that bizarre thing where the accused takes to the stand in a bail application. But it has mm-hmm. happened before. It's not unique. Um, listening to him, your sense of whether or not the state can take comfort in someone like that being granted bail. What is your sense of what would possibly come out, considering also what yeah. the magistrate has to weigh between these two different arguments from the state and the defense? Yeah,
0: you know, we have heard a lot about kind of the merits of the case, more than we usually hear at bail applications because, like you say, usually at bail applications everything is done on affidavit and the defense will put up an affidavit and then the state will put up an affidavit. Obviously when someone takes the stand, as has been the case in this matter with the accused taking the stand in support of his bail application that then opens the door for things like cross-examination and he's put forward his whole version of events and all of that said ultimately what the court in these bail proceedings is tasked with determining is whether or not there are exceptional circumstances permitting his release on bail. Now, the defense has essentially relied almost solely on its contention that there's a weak case against him. In my own experience, covering bail applications, um, the, the idea of a weak case has been used as exceptional circumstances before, but it's usually coupled with various other exceptional circumstances. And I can't really ascertain anything else that the defence has put forward that could even constitute um, ex- exceptional circumstances. So it is difficult. You never want to end up with egg on your face afterwards. But as it stands I would say that it's unlikely that he's going to get bail.
2: Mm, but we'll wait and see. Thank you so much. That's EWN's Benedict Wicks was out at the Alexandra Magistrates Court where they're waiting the outcome. Well the process, process is still unfolding but we'll get an outcome on the bail application of the 21 year old student who's accused of murdering and raping a 34 year old Jobbik teacher Christian Clates because this journey is better taken together
3: let's walk the talk 702
2: we go to the Western Cape, but we are remaining in the courts. Police Minister, Becky Tele, is back at the Athlon Magistrates Court. This is to attend the bail hearing of a man arrested in connection with the killing of a Google to CPF Deputy Chairperson Lula Mattingito. That's where we find EWN's Ntutuzelo Nene, who's been following that story for some time. He joins us now on the line. Ntutuzelo, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. So we have a better understanding from, my, from what I hear of what charges this particular suspect faces. Um, do we even know more about him? Just run me through the, the charges as well, please.
1: Um, good afternoon, uh, Um So today we heard that he's facing four charges, which include murder, um, housebreaking, um, possession of a firearm and possession of ammunition. Uh, but in a in a twist turn of events, something that we don't usually see more often, um, is that he he told the court that he won't be applying for bail at this time. Um, he would rather, you know, um, prefer to remain behind bars. I guess this is because um, you know his his private appointed uh, lawyer um, is still on holiday, so he was being represented by a. Um, 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 a, uh, a state a state lawyer, a state um, appointed lawyer. So um, he's saying that, you know, he, he'd rather uh, continue with this case um, with his uh, own private attorney available um, which um, he'll only be available uh, next year, January um, on the 10th. From the 10th going of, of, on, onwards, he'll be available to, to represent um, Lungila Madolo in court.
2: So, I imagine then the matter is already postponed. When is it back in court? Uh, The matter has been postponed to February
1: 22nd uh, for his, obviously, his lawyer to be present. And, and for, for for further investigation, because the state saying that um, there's still some outstanding documents which include um, post mortem and ballistic reports, um, as well as crime scene photos that they still uh, you know need to get from the police or the investigating officer in this case, um, so that they can you know uh, be able to proceed with this with this matter.
2: All right. and Dr. Zolobeki, Taylor's presence there, I mean, he was there when the suspect appeared for the first time, I did not necessarily expect to hear that he'll be back at the court now, but I understand he is there with some of the members of the top brass of the police, the significance of this matter, and why he returns to the court, has he had a chance to speak to journalists, do we understand why is it that the minister, with everything that's going on, felt the need to come back and watch what unfolds in the courts himself?
1: um the minister did uh managed to speak to us uh just a short while ago um he's back in cape town for festive season operations so it so happened that this matter is back in in court while He's busy with, with those operations. He has a whole list of other places that he needs to go to. But he's saying that um, they take this matter very seriously and they want to make sure that everything is done, um, you know, according to the book, um, not, not saying that other cases are not as important. But, you know, when they have an opportunity to be in Cape Town and this matter is being heard, they want to to you know to be able to go and 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 show that they they take this matter very seriously and would love to see this person um you know spend you know uh many years in jail uh because he's he described him as a, a career criminal someone who you know is not um a stranger to the law who has a string of other charges against him he he even before um the alleged incident with uh, lulama Dinginto, uh, he, he, he had a warrant of arrest um, for a murder uh, investigation. So, you know, he, he's someone who, who's been arrested before uh, for attempted murder, housebreaking. So, you know, he's someone who's, who's not a stranger to the justice system. So that's why Peggy is saying that this is very important that this man is, is locked up for a very long time.
2: All right, thank you so much. That's EW's Ntutuzelo Nene, who was speaking about the appearance of a man charged with the killing of a... Uh- Google it to CPF Deputy Chairperson Lula Mattingito. We are going to go back to the police at some point. I mean, speaking about the safety festive campaign that's taking place in the Western Cape, we've been having a lot of those happening. We've been having a lot of those happening in Gauteng. So we'll also look at some of the outcomes, the key outcomes from those. What are they seeing? What kind of arrests are taking place? We're hoping to also speak to Home Affairs because from some of the figures that I've been seeing, a lot of undocumented migrants have also been taken into police custody. I'm curious as to where do they go? Do they immediately go to the Lindela repatriation center who pays for them to go back home does it go to the court what is the process i'm hoping home affairs will come on board and maybe give us a bit of clarity but yes we're gonna look at what's been happening with the safety campaigns and of course preparations ahead of this big weekend where we cross over into a new year
0: your voice
2: your station
0: let's walk the talk 702
2: 702. So as you might know, business rescue practitioner Mahir Tayob has taken over the reins at the bus line, that's the BRT, the bus rapid, the rear via BRT system, after operator Trans was placed in business rescue last week. We tried reaching out to him a little bit because suddenly there are concerns about whether or not the services will experience disruptions. This past week I spoke to current MMC K and who said, no, 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 no. Operations will continue as per usual. I spoke to former MMC Rihanna Musaji, who really was instrumental in bringing it to life. I mean, she said it was a sad day. She raised concerns over how the project has unfolded over the years, saying that it wasn't necessarily in line with the vision that they had seen for the city welcoming Business Rescue, saying that this might be the best way forward for Riavaya. But funny enough, you then had the National Taxi Association coming into the story, kind of echoing the echoing the sentiments of one Ken Nikunene, saying that, you know, the issue is how things were rushed from the beginning. They all take issue with the, the way this particular project came together. But they are also worried about what must happen with Piotrans. But now we spoke today earlier to the business rescue practitioner who was unable to come on to the show at this particular hour, but he did answer questions about whether or not there will be disruptions and he went back to looking at his priorities as he takes over the reins. Take a listen.
4: With regard to your second question, what is the main priorities as you are taking on the task of the business rescue? My priorities are briefly augmented as ensure uninterrupted services to our commuters, ensure that more buses are on the road. We have already increased that number to 35 with another 11 to be imminently commissioned. To secure a steady supply of fuel, spares, tyres et al. To strengthen operations and service delivery. To secure the buy-in of all stakeholders regardless of rank. To stop the financial bleed. To ensure that employees receive their bonuses and to be paid on time. To ensure ensure that the shareholders receive their dividends or, or royalty payments regardless of the terminology. To take full control of the board and operations and to demand accountability and responsibility all of this can can only take place with proper communication it is for that reason that these immediate deliverables that i seek to enforce will be occasioned and because it contains so much substantial public interest i undertake to keep the public informed through media platforms
2: that is, um, that is the rescue business practitioner who's currently taking over the reins as far as is concerned, particularly with bus operator Piotrans. You might remember some of the reports, the fact that the board has been dissolved, there's questions of maladministration, there's all manner of concerns around how it's been run and money that's been lost, that money that needs to be recovered, and of course criminal charges that need to be pursued against particular people over the running of that particular um, that operator for some time walking this talk together
0: every hour, every day this is 702 let's walk the talk
2: so the South African police services have been saying that they have treating this entire country like a hotspot. Well over 75,000 people have been taken into custody. What I was fascinated by is hearing that at least 11,000 of those arrested were undocumented migrants. Then in Gauteng, I heard over the past two days, close to 100 were taken into custody. But there's other interesting stats that I kind of came across. The police saying that um, they've been hard at work throughout this festive season. You're hearing that more than 4,000 people have been arrested for drunk driving over 6,000 for assault. Then there's more than 5,000 for common assault. So we speak now to Brigadier, Brigadier Athlenda Mate about the festive season campaign, but most importantly, preparations ahead of this weekend. As I keep saying it, e-weekend in Kuru, the crossover weekend. Athlenda, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the line. Um, a very good afternoon to you and thank you for the opportunity. First, let's speak about your sense of how the safety operations have been coming along this season.
5: Well, absolutely. Um, it's been an all hands on deck approach as we work hard as SAPS to ensure the safety and security of holiday makers and all people living in South Africa. Our national safer festive season operations started as far back. As the 30th of October. And since then, um, we've had, uh, we've made significant uh, strides in ensuring that those that do commit crimes are arrested and are brought before court to to answer to some of those crimes uh, that have been committed. As you have indicated, rightfully so, we have arrested more than 75,000 suspects for various crimes. The majority of them, 17,000, were arrested for trading illegally in liquor. Some were arrested um, for murder attempted, murder, attempted murder, and various other crimes.
2: Aslinda, you speak now about trading illegally in liquor. I imagine that's a worrying trend. But what, what other trends are you seeing that are concerning um, as people are celebrating the festive season?
5: So another worrying trend is um, we are focusing a lot on road safety. The Minister of Transport, I think a week ago, announced that more than 700 people have lost their lives. So what we are doing with the Minister of Police, together with the Deputy Minister and the management of the SAPS, we are also focusing our safety operations at your taxi ranks. Um, your malls, your roadblocks and so on, so that together with traffic officials uh, and other law enforcement agencies, we focus on ensuring that the vehicles that are on our roads, they are roadworthy, the people that are driving uh, have licenses, the vehicles that are on our roads also have licenses. Uh, and so on. But most importantly, we are tracing wanted suspects at these roadblocks and so on. We are checking for uh, uh, drunk drivers. We have arrested 4,488 thus far because we know the majority of accidents are caused by drunk drivers as well as fatigue and and negligence uh, uh, amongst uh, drivers and so on. So that is what we are focusing on. We are focusing on illegal and unwanted firearms. I think so far we have uh, confiscated 956 illegal and unwanted firearms, as well as 15,000 rounds of, of ammunition.
2: Athlenda, you're going into a big weekend. Let's speak about a state of readiness. Do the police feel you've, they've got sufficient capacity to deal with revelers into the, the, the celebrations of crossing over into a new year?
5: Well, absolutely. As the SAPS, we don't work in silos. We work with various other law enforcement agencies at a local, provincial, and a national level. Um, we, you will recall that two weeks ago, we witnessed the graduation of uh, 10,000 more police officers, that, so that is proving to be adding uh, value. Uh, that it, Those 10,000 have been deployed to police stations to capacitate our frontline policing services. They have been deployed to our specialized units, your flying squads, uh, your highway patrols, to ensure that we heighten uh, police visibility so that we deter incidents of criminality. But most importantly, that we do apprehend those that are behind a serious and violent crime and, and, and so on. So um, our big focus as well is those compliance visits at the taverns, the nightclubs, to ensure that they do have licenses to trade. Because we have noticed that in the past, um, one of the major drivers of contact crimes, your murder, your rape, your assault, GBH, and so on, uh, alcohol and drug, uh, uh, and and drugs are behind the major drivers. So it is quite important that we ensure compliance and heighten police visibility around uh, those spaces. I mean, if you look at the arrests as well, six thousand seven hundred were arrested for assault, GBH. Most of those incidents were coming in from the taverns from the nightclubs and so on so it's quite important uh, that we, we 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 conduct these compliance inspections and and so on
2: Aslinda, before i let you go i just want to go back to 2020 specifically it was new year's celebrations at poppies in Melville where there was a shooting there was supposedly a breakthrough earlier this year do we have an update do we know anything about that case has it moved in any case anywhere from where it was you will recall CD, that earlier this
5: year in January, I did um, announce that we had nine firearms that were buried on a farm in Johannesburg. Yes. One of those firearms was taken in for ballistic testing. It was to the shooting. Now, since then, we have been uh, on a manhunt for a suspect, a person of interest, who was found to be renting on that uh, firearm, um, sorry, on that on that farm because those farms were found on the premises and not necessarily in, in inside the house and, and, and at the farmhouse and so on. We do know who we are looking for. Um, as I can confirm that at the SAPS, we have referred this particular case to the Hawks unit uh, called Crimes Against the State because evidence that was found in that particular house and evidence that we have uh, are on hand uh, uh, necessitated us to ensure that we transfer this case to unit within the DPCI uh, that investigates crimes against the state. I will not go further in, in, into this because it is quite a sensitive matter. So uh, in terms of um, motives, um, we have an idea. We just have to prove it. Um, we will affect arrests um, once uh, we, we, we have sufficient evidence and we do find the person that we believe will assist us as, uh, to solve this
2: Particular crime. And my part in short, any advi- advice for revelers who will be out and about celebrating uh, asher- the ushering in, in of a new year?
5: Look, it's just to assure them that the SAPS will be on the ground uh, to deter any incidents of criminality, but uh, people also need to uh, be extra vigilant and be responsible. Drink responsibly, don't drink and drive, uh, because if you get locked up to date CD, you will be out on the 3rd. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a long weekend for us. The 31st is on a Sunday. The 1st is a holiday. The 2nd, okay, yeah, you'll be out on the 2nd. So if you want to spend uh, your whole weekend and the New Year in jail, then break the law. Don't drink in public spaces. Don't drink and drive. Uh, don't commit crime at all. Um, most importantly, um, fireworks let's 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 be careful uh, around the use of fireworks um let's 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 take care where kids are in the vicinity especially with the use of fireworks let's not allow kids to be uh, playing with such because we have seen in the past in where children would get harmed, even adults, drunk adults. So let's just be responsible in how we celebrate. We are there as the police, not uh, to spoil your fun, but just to ensure the safety and security of, of everyone in the country.
2: Alright, thank you so much, Athlenda. That's Brigadier Athlenda Mate speaking about the crime, the first of season crime, anti-crime campaign, but also a catch-up on what happened at Poppies in Melville in 2020. Saying that they are onto something. They know who they're looking for, what they're looking for. We remain clueless. I do think the message though that you must be careful when you're out and about is really important. Walking this talk together.
0: Every hour, every day.
2: This is 702. Let's walk the talk.
1: Hello, PJ here from Joburg
6: or Darren Wood. Um, The police are supposed to do the opposite. They're supposed to police crime hotspots because people actually look into these things and they say if you want to reduce crime, you have to take care of the hotspots. So if you're going to treat the entire South Africa as one big hotspot, well then unfortunately things like gender-based violence and murder and et cetera, just going to carry on.
2: Thank you so much for that voice note, voice note, PJ. I suppose the argument is that they lack the necessary capacity to treat the entire country as a hotspot, don't they? Thank you. Keep the voice notes coming. 0721702. Ooh, I'm getting it wrong. Let me get it right. 072721702. 0725671567.
0: Because this
2: journey is better taken together.
0: Let's walk the talk. 702.
2: Focusing our attention now on KwaZulu-Natal, specifically around Ladysmith, where the death toll stands at 13. I think that's what I heard in the Eyewitness News bulletin earlier. This is the search for missing flood victims continues. Parts of KZN are still battling with the after effects from the heavy downpour that took place on Christmas Eve. We speak now to EWN's Oren Singh, who's been following that story. Oren, thank you so much for joining us on the line. Welcome to the show. You've been following the story for for a while, watching it, communicating with some of the teams on the ground. I imagine that they still have an enormous task on their hands, don't
7: they? Um, Yes, good afternoon, TD. Um, Just some news in at the moment, just before I I, I got on the line with you, we got an update that another body is being recovered. So the death toll standing at 14 um, in Ladysmith as it stands. We're not 100% sure how many people are still missing. Uh, Search and rescue teams are still trying to collate the numbers. Um, There are more people reporting um, more people that are missing, um, often. So they are trying to establish how many possible missing victims are still, they still have to look for. But things on the ground um, are looking a bit stable as it stands. Rescue and search and rescue teams have a big task on their hands, TD. Um, Initially, search and rescue told us that they were looking at an area of about seven kilometers. Um, But that's extended after yesterday when they found uh, the body of an adult female 15 kilometers downriver. So the area of search has extended quite a bit but i think the one thing that um that must be said cd is that Search and rescue teams are are racing against the clock. When we spoke to uh, the South African Weather Service forecaster yesterday, Ishmael Moyo, he told us that there's a 30% chance of rain currently on the ground. From what I'm being told, things are holding up, It's but partly cloudy, uh, some sun coming out now and then, which is is assisting search and rescue teams drying up some of the wet areas and so forth, making um, traversing that terrain a little bit easy because it is treacherous with all the mud and rubble and debris that's being washed down river. But going into Saturday and Sunday, there's a sixty percent chance of thunder showers and thunderstorms for Lady Smith and Natal as a whole. So so, I think that's, uh, that's a bit concerning. I'm hoping that the additional resources that have been deployed into the area. Um, we had a, a, a chopper from the SAPS Air Wing that was uh, deployed to to Ladysmith this morning. Mm. Um, search and rescue teams from Durban and Peter Maritzburg as well joined the, the search uh, efforts this morning. So, we're hoping that they'll be able to recover uh, the missing victims and um, get moving throughout the course of today.
2: When I spoke to you yesterday, at least when I spoke to the disaster management yesterday, it sounded like they wanted to reach out for help beyond the province. You're speaking about resources coming from different parts of the province. Do we know for sure if they will be getting assistance from outside of KwaZulu-Natal? TD, I think it it all depends
7: on time. eh? Um, Honestly, I think... With the teams that they've got there at the moment, they've got various teams from Impangani, Newcastle, Frey, Dundee, um, Durban, Peter Maritzburg, as well as private security, IPSS, uh, NGOs, uh, the Alam Dard Foundation has got their own search and rescue members assisting SAPS. So I think they've got a handle on the situation at the moment. The only time I would foresee them needing or requiring national assistance where bringing in teams from other provinces, search and rescue members, would be if we get an enormous amount of rain in that area and the clip river starts flooding again saturday and mm-hmm. sunday that would make um you know search efforts just that much more difficult they would probably obviously require more additional resources in terms of manpower on the ground to assist but as things stand it's looking good um it looks like the the members from KwaZulu Natal that have been deployed to the area are handling the situation and they're being able to manage it um, as things stand but going into the, we- uh, going into the weekend we- we're not sure what's going to happen TD
2: Alright thank you so much that's EWN's Oren Singh who's keeping an eye on that story there where flood vict- where rescue teams are still searching for some of the victims from the flood saying that the death toll has tragically risen to 14
0: Your voice
2: Your station Let's walk the talk
0: 702
2: 702 you might have seen the story. Two mid-rand teenagers accused of raping a 15-year-old are now out on bail. What's disturbing was seeing an interview granted by the victim's sister to one of the news channels. I can't remember which one, but she spoke about them threatening to do it again. She spoke of the constant violent tensions between the parents of the victims as well as their alleged suspects. Then you have—you might have caught the conversation I had with Contra Lessa yesterday where they are worried about the spate of teenage mothers, teenage pregnant, Concerned about what they said were visuals of MECs congratulating teenagers who've become mothers, worried about not enough sexual education uh, taking place in the country. So I thought, let's speak to somebody who might understand this a little bit better. So I'm joined now by Dr. Joan Fanike, who's a child's rights and protection activist. So she joins us to help us understand... What are we seeing, Dr. John? Thank you so much for joining us. Let me start with the rape matter specifically, which included social media spats. A possible threat to do it again. What does this say to us about the boys involved, the background of those boys, but most importantly, the society that allows or where such incidents and such attitudes, if I may, exist? Yes, I think it
6: shows an enormous lack in their education in terms of social responsibility, sexual responsibility, and so on. And if I were their parents or caregivers, I would be enormously concerned and be looking for some kind of advice to assist me in, in working through these threats of violence with these boys. Certainly, we are seeing... Um, an enormous uh, number of sexual crimes committed by young people, um, mainly male children. I think the other thing that we have lost sight of is the impact of of access to pornography on boys and girls. And we forget that pornography is probably the worst kind of sex education for children so when children depend on this form of uh, exposure as a way of educating themselves about sex and sexuality we are actually in a lot of trouble we'd like to see far more responsible sexual education in our schools and far more responsible sexual education in our homes and we'd also like to see efforts by parents caregivers and school teachers to help children acquire empathy not sympathy empathy in other words understanding truly what their impact uh, what the impact of their behavior is on those around them it's not just the girl in this situation that is harmed it's her family and the boy's families as well and I think a lot of of um, rape is fueled by peer pressure. I think a lot of it is fueled by exposure to pornography. And a lot of, lot of it is fueled by inappropriate or lack mm. of sexual education.
2: How do you balance the the, the part where with, with especially with young people where they do deserve the freedom to be to 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 explore, to be teens, to figure themselves out in the world? But you have to balance that with protecting them. How do parents go about that go about that? Because from the story, if I understood understood it correctly, this young girl left home, they went to a house and they left with her. I mean, in an ordinary world that should not be a signal for concern, but it is. So how do parents then balance the the, the freedom that they need to give their children to experience and to grow is the need to protect them because you live in a world where GBV and all manner of threats to their, to their lives are part of who and what we are as a society? Mm. Yes, I think freedom comes with
6: responsibility. Um, we talk a lot about rights in this country. And yes, all children, all adults should have the right to freedom from violence. But there's also a level of responsibility that must be taught to boys and girls in terms of um, their responsibility towards other children, the importance of not uh, exploiting or infringing the rights of others. We've become very much a rights-based culture. And yes, it's true. Children do need... Freedom to learn about and explore their world. But one has to also educate children about their vulnerability, and nothing replaces parental supervision. Mm. So the younger the child, the more important supervision is. As children get older, they can in actual fact anticipate some of their own behaviors and the impact
2: of them in on themselves in the long term. And just very, very quickly, Joan, um was upset seeing MECs congratulating young mothers, teenagers who become mothers who were part of the the those who delivered babies on Christmas Day saying that we are sending out the wrong message. What should their approach be? Because I said to them, I don't believe that you then d- and demean someone like that because there's multiple multiple reasons why a 15-year-old end up pregnant. In fact, it's rape. There's multiple um, concerns around grooming. There's so many other reasons around why a teenager might end up being a mother. What should be the approach? Well, certainly, I don't think it
6: should be a congratulatory approach, but it should not be a stigmatizing approach either. And I think what should be happening is counseling of these young mothers in terms of how to prevent further pregnancies The importance of uh, child care and, and making sure that there is a level of responsibility that they take for these children. But it also starts in the home and it starts in the school. Children sometimes don't anticipate the level of responsibility involved in child care. This is something that has to be talked about to both boys and girls. And boys should know that they have an equal responsibility if they father a child. And society should put that responsibility on them and not just kind of encourage them to have no responsibility whatsoever towards that child. Talk to your children Encourage them to have future goals that in actual fact mean that they've got to complete their education and look towards their future rather than have a child that is going to um, not only compromise the well-being of that child, but perhaps even compromise their own well-being and the achievement of their
2: own goals. Children need to have a sense of future. All right, thank you so much. That's John Van Niekerk, a child's rights and protection specialist, speaking about some of these cases that we've been seeing in the news over recent days. Because this journey is better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 702. So I wanted to chat to the V&A waterfront yesterday, but I couldn't get around to it. I see they're back with us today. I'm really grateful that they're making time for us. So after having its permit withdrawn due to a series of objections by the city of Cape Town, it has successfully appealed that decision. We speak now to Donald Kau, the head of PR from the V&A waterfront. Donald, thank you for your time. So essentially what it means is that the display, uh, the fireworks display will go ahead now.
3: Um, uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Yes. Uh, in effect, that's what it is. But I must also um, just say the SPCA did um, interdict um, the, the the fireworks display. Um, the hearing is actually taking place as I'm speaking to you now. So we'll get the outcome of that um, quite soon. But in terms of the permits that we have been granted um, by the city as well as SEPs for the fireworks display that happens at midnight, um, that was lifted and we are good to go.
2: So help me understand. You're saying that there is a hearing that's currently underway now. So, what limitation would this particular hearing have implemented on the fireworks? Because I thought that once the permit has been granted, you are good to go, which is what you just said. So, I'm a little bit confused. Sorry.
3: Um, okay, maybe just a, a separation of the two. So, yes. so in in, in preparing um, for any event, uh, I suppose in in any city, so to speak, but particularly so in in Cape Town, you you apply for an event license that is more than 15 people um, gathering, you need to run through the whole test of staging a safe environment, um, a stage of a, a, a safe event, as well as a noise exemption permit. This is particularly when you have an entertainment event that's going to produce extraordinary loud noises. Um, again, that's checked by the city in terms of understanding what that implication is for the surrounding areas, um, as well as a fireworks permit from Seps, and this is for letting off and carrying and staging um, fireworks. So those are the typical standards that you have to uh, jump through to stage the event. Mm. In this particular instance, the STCA lodged a court interdict, and that's a that, that's a court matter that's very separate yes. from the city regulation okay. to stop the fireworks taking place altogether. And that hearing was set um, for today, and it started at ten o'clock this morning in effect should the judge judgment out of that be that we should not do the fireworks we'd obviously have to comply with that but as it says now um we are good to go given the 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 permits that we've been allowed
2: so there is still a possibility that you might not be allowed to go ahead
3: Uh, Yeah, there would be that possibility.
2: Okay, but let's say you do go ahead. Um, There are limitations, I think it is for five minutes from what I understood. In terms of those who want to participate or want to watch, what do they need to do? I'm now talking to you on condition that this will be allowed to go ahead and that this court matter today doesn't get in the way.
3: Yeah, Um, so the waterfront has traditionally held a free to the public New Year's Eve celebration. Um, we have close to 200,000 people who come in over New Year's Eve throughout the day. The evening program is made up of music entertainment on a big stage. Um, and this is something that's staged for the benefit of the people of Cape Town, um, as well as the tourists and visitors that are in the city. And And then it culminates, of course, at midnight. And the idea is really it joins the global celebration of midnight moments. And typically, if you're watching TV or you follow this type of thing, you'd know that, you know, the the celebrations kick off with Sydney Harbour. They had a massive fireworks display. They move on to other gateway cities around the world that do a midnight countdown. And that's the spirit in which this has always taken place. It's part of the full entertainment program for the night. And then it culminates with this um, fireworks display. In regards to the concerns from the animal activists, we then took a view to um, review the duration of the actual fireworks at midnight. Typically, it would be running for like 10 minutes. We reduced it down to, to five minutes. But, but of course, it's a, it's a timed event. It's a well-known when it happens, how long it is. And that means if you have a pet, um, you can kind of take measures to then protect your, your, your animal from, from the sounds that right. are generated
2: all right thank you so much that's donald gau head of pr at the vna waterfront saying that for now they have permission to have the fireworks display for five minutes but there's a court matter that's currently sitting now and that might change that condition
0: your voice
2: your station let's walk the talk 702 702 we turn now to Joburg emergency services i'm joined now by their spokesperson Tate robert Mulaoudzi. dr robert welcome to the show good afternoon
8: Afternoon, audience, and afternoon to the listeners.
2: I think the days of mattresses being thrown out of Hillborough flats are past us as a people, but we are going into a big weekend. There'll be a lot of celebrations as people are ushering in the new year. Let's speak about a state of readiness from the EMS EMS's perspective.
8: Yeah, from our side, we're ready. We've got all our thirty fire stations throughout the city of uh, fully operational. We've got all the specialised uh, rescue teams, the Urban Search and Rescue team, and also the Aquatic Rescue Unit, which is a specialized team which responds to water-related emergency. However, with regard to the ushering of the new year, we are ready to continue to uh, conduct our bylaw compliance operation because you know our city that now people will be visiting, wholesalers, dealers to try and grab some fireworks which they want to ignite uh, midnight as we usher in the new year. So we will be checking on those wholesalers and distributors just to make sure that they comply with our fire service regulation. And also we also encouraging our residents. If there is not really a, an emergency for them to have fireworks, we're we actually discouraging them to have fireworks because we've seen in the past uh, uh, coming across a lot of incidents where especially young kids are getting injured. Some, they're even losing their lives while they're trying to use these fireworks. Even adults who are using them, fireworks in uh, you know under the influence of alcohol. So we are saying that if there's not really an emergency for them to have it, they can actually maybe go visit areas where there will be events which they can actually watch instead of them igniting them because we cannot continue counting the numbers of people who are losing their lives every year because of the five minutes or two minutes of us getting into the new year. So we are saying, if you use it igniting a firework, don't give it to young kids. If you're igniting a firework, don't ignite it when you're under the influence of alcohol. Try and move away from petrol stations, explosive factories, hospitals, and also uh, old age homes. Most importantly, the fireworks are allowed according to our city fire service bylaws. Mm. Residents are allowed to use them an hour before midnight and an hour after midnight. After that, we are not expecting our residents to continue to... You know, ignite these fireworks. Of course, in our mostly our township, we have got the problems of, you know, animals where you know fireworks are being ignited. Maybe over an animal, and then you find animals just roaming around the streets. So we're saying, please take your animals into a place of safety uh, around this time when we we'll are sharing in the new air. Maybe you can go and mm-hmm. get your animal after that time because we see animals roaming around. But th- what is important also is the people who are you know, moving from one area to the other as we get to the new year. Some of them, they drive vehicles under the influence of our council. So that time, an hour and after, an hour after, you know, we usher into the new year, we tend to respond to emergencies which can be prevented. Hence, we thank you, LCD, for giving us this opportunity to talk to our residents before we even start celebrating so that let's look after ourselves so that we can get into the new year safely. Otherwise, you know, 702 won't even have listeners because some of them, they'll be injured. You know, some of them will, might actually lose their lives while they're trying to get into the New Year. So we are pleading, we're on our knees, pleading with our residents to say, if you're using fireworks, let's use them safely. And those who are driving, please don't drink and drive. And make sure that you enjoy, uh, you know, festive season safely and get you into the New Year safely. From our side, we'll make sure that uh, you get into the New Year safely. We've got the boots on the ground. We didn't manage to go and live and enjoy ourselves, yes. our families. Uh, But we have just done that so that you and the rest of the people and residents out there can enjoy festive season
2: safely. And that's why we love you and that's why we thank you. Thank you so much Dr. Robert Mlawudzi from Joburg EMS speaking about stern warning really about what you need to get up to or not get up to over the festive season saying please be careful with fireworks raising concerns about animals um, and saying that they are pretty much ready to deal with revelers come New Year's Day. My question to you is are you ready for the 2024? I'm very excited about 2024. I wanted to leave you with a song. I've been going back and forth about the song that I want
8: for all of us and this is my song I'll explain why in two seconds just listen just listen just listen